get it to her in a minute. Man, what a beautiful sight. Mm. All right, this morning, if you would take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. We've been going through the book of Ephesians this, uh, this summer. And so uh, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. I want to remind you about last week for just a few moments. We were in Ephesians chapter 2 last week and, and looking at verses 10. I want to remind you of that verse right quick. It says this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. In fact, if you go back to the first uh, chapter of the book of Ephesians, you'll find it says that we are not just called, but, but God knew and had a plan for us before the beginning of time. Before the world even started, God had a plan for us. And so as we go through the book of Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to be reminded of those things and how God has called you and, and set you aside for such things. It, it reads this way in, in chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So I want to stop there for just a moment and, and talk about Paul. He, Paul, we, we don't think too much about, we, we, we revere Paul, if you will. That's probably not a good word to say, Paul Revere. But we, we think a lot about Paul and we, we talk about how awesome he is in the, in the Bible. Man, you know, he's just a, the ultimate Christian and so on and so forth. But we really don't think about who Paul was. Just a guy. He grew up in Tarsus. He was the son of a Pharisee. And, and so he went into that religious uh, sect, if you will. He went down that road of being not just a Jew, but an ultra uh, teacher of the law, probably moved to Ephesus. We're not for sure about that, but he was about 30 years old or so, maybe a little bit older than that even, 30, 35, when he became a Christian, when he accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It was a pretty dramatic thing. He was, he was do away with this microphone. I have to ask. We'll try it some more. So um, he was on the road to Damascus, got blinded by Jesus Christ, came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We talked about this story, by the way. It's funny that my sermons are prepared about a year ahead of time. They're, God gives me what to do. And all of a sudden we're talking about Barnabas and, and Paul today. And wow, I was like, okay, y'all stole my thunder today. No, not really. It was a good Sunday school lesson. But as we look at Paul, he... He was about 30 years old or so when he became a Christian. So from there to A.D. 64 when he died is about maybe 30 years, maybe not, maybe 20 years or so. Out of that 20 years of being a super unbelievable preacher, at least 10 of it he spent in jail. So I just want you to think, pull that into our day and time. So you've got this preacher that's preaching at your church that's been in prison for 10 years. Just, we're just going to welcome him on in. He spent those 10 years in jail because of his belief. He spent those 10 years in jail because of, of he was willing to speak boldly for the Lord. He got flawed, he got shipwrecked, he got beat within an inch of his life, so on and so forth in those beautiful 20 years or so of ministry. 
that took place. Now, why am I making such a big deal of that? Because Paul says here, walk worthy of the calling or in the King James Version, vocation wherewith you're called. Paul was faithful with that. He was before a Jew of Jews, if you will. He was a Pharisee, and, and so he was sold out to that and to the point of killing Christians. I mean, taking them whatever it took, holding the, the, uh, the clothes of those who stoned Stephen. And then like a light switch, he accepted Jesus Christ that day, and it changed his whole life. He was that kind of personality that no matter what came and no matter what was going to happen in his life, he was going to stick, stick with his gun. Some of you guys are like that. I've been farming a long time. Every year we get up and we, we do it again. We, the hope that we have is when we put those seeds in the ground that God is going to bless that and he's going to cause that to be fertile and he's going to raise that up. Same way with Paul. Year after year, year after year, Paul stuck to his guns. He was willing to die for what he believed in. How about you today? Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. There's not a person in this room, no matter if they're a farmer or um, in whatever profession you're in. We've got guys from the oil field here. We've got guys that, are, that, that uh, do accounting here. We've got guys that, that help people all over the place here. We've got lots of farmers. Do you know what? God has called you to that vocation. God has put you where you're at right now. It's interesting as Paul was was going along in, in his life and, and he became a Christian and he became a mega personality, if you will, in a church because he went on all of these missionary journeys and he started church after church after church. He didn't just go in like an evangelist we do today. He stayed there a year or two. Sometimes he had to be a tent maker, whatever it took, whatever it took to help that church get going, he did. And so as he's going along, became this big personality, God tells him one day, He's in a kind of a bad place, but God tells him one day, you're going to Rome. So he gets before Felix. He gets before Festus. Right there, they could have let him go, but he appealed to Caesar. And when he appealed to Caesar, he knew pretty much what the sentence was going to be because Nero was not a good guy. He didn't like Christians a whole lot at all. But God told him, you're going to go to Rome. You're going to be my witness there. And it was, it was interesting because all along the way, as he went, he said, I'm going to Rome. And every place he stopped, people went, hey, you don't want to go to Rome, buddy. Mm -mm, no, no, Paul, forget that. Don't go to Rome. It's going to get bad in Rome. Don't go to Rome. And time after time, Paul rejected that and said, nope, God has told me I've got to go to Rome. That's where I'm going to be. And so what happened? What happened when Paul was, was willing at, at this 30, 35-year-old man was willing to do what God called him to do. He absolutely changed the world, God. He absolutely changed the world. He got to Rome and in prison. Who knows how many guards, how many of those jailers he led to Jesus Christ. But he became a witness to all of the churches on how to live this Christian life, to walk worthy of the vocation, walk worthy of the calling that you've been called. This is what Paul was called to do. And at all costs, he did it. He walked worthy of the vocation. What about us? We've been called to, 
do whatever God's called us to do? Are you doing it with every ounce of your being? We talked about last week that, that God has called you and ordained you just for this moment. He has given you a holy calling in your place. Not, not just that you go out in the field and plant, but you're going out in the field and planting because God has given you that. You're a witness to the world all around you. The world is looking at you to see the Jesus that they need. Are you living up to that? Have you walked worthy of your calling in life? Have you realized that God has called me into this and this is actually the, absolutely the ministry that God's called me to? We use that word and throw it out all the time. This is the service that God has for me to do. It does not matter. I like the little illustration from Sheila this morning. It doesn't matter if you make a million dollars, you make ten. It doesn't matter. It matters that you're where God wants you to be. That you're walking worthy of the call that God has given you in your life. People are going to look at you and see what Jesus looks like, sounds like, walks like, talks like. Oh, you, hopefully you'll get the opportunity not only to share by how you live and what you do that, who Jesus is, but you'll get to share with them the words. That they can come to know Jesus too. They can have that same peace and contentment in their life. I was uh, at a church one time. It's not been too many years ago, by the way. Um, just a few years ago, I was at a church, big church, and the pastor got up and said, I just don't know how anybody can make it on $20 an hour, less than that. He said, it's, nobody makes that. I was making $9.95 or $10.05 or something like that. And I, and I was content. I thought, man, I'm, I'm making some pretty good money here. I'm doing all right. And so we, we had a chance to talk about that later on. But I had guys all around me that were dissatisfied with the money they were getting. You know, we were only getting, I was working security then, and, and we were only getting this much money. You don't get much money working for security at LCU, trust me. But everybody was discontent with how much money they were getting, and I wasn't. Why? Because this is exactly where God had had me. He was healing me in those days at, at LCU. He was allowing me to work nights, which I hadn't done in a long, long time. But he was allowing me to meet people that I had never met before. He was allowing me to heal again from the wounds that, that were inflicted. And I was happy. It doesn't matter where God has got you or how much money John makes over you. It makes a difference that you realize that God has called you according to his purpose to be right where you're at. And to praise Him with that. Your very life. To, to walk worthy of that calling that you've been called. So Paul walks worthy of, of the calling. It says this in verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the body of peace. There's one body and one Spirit. I want to stop with with. Verse 2 and 3, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. People need to see the church. Uh, we, we have all of this fight about why do we have all of these different churches in the United States? Why do we have all these the different, different denominations? Why do we have this? And, and I've come up with this because of the Holy Spirit of the living God. He is moved people that said that, that in the 
the 12th chapter of the, of the book of 1 Corinthians, it said that he has all kinds of different ministries, all kinds of different ways to do things so that we might reach the world. We don't have cookie cutter churches. There are some different beliefs. And yes, I believe one day we will come to that point where we all go, oh, that's what that means. But we're not there yet. But while we're waiting on that time to come, we ought to be in unity with each other. We're to love each other. The world needs to see these qualities because they will never, ever, ever get them otherwise. Notice, be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. I'm convinced that if the church of the living God Whatever the denomination that falls under, whatever building you go to, but if the church of the living God would do those things, we would win the world to him. The world would see what being Christ-like means. The world would see what it means to, to live in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And they would hunger for that. There's not one person in the United States, there's not one person in this world who doesn't hunger for those things. And they're looking for it because God has created in them a big hole that, that can only be filled. Can only be filled by Him. They're hungering for that. Oh, they're running after all kinds of different things. But they're hungering for what God can give. And the only way they're going to see that is through us. So these qualities, these little, little sentence right here, to, to be completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another, if we did that it would make a big difference. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We Baptists can't even accomplish that mission. We fight with each other all the time about something. I'm perturbed right now about the convention. I have to write a letter. I know I'll get, they'll get the letter and go, who? But I still got to write the letter. Brothers, we need to be doing this. Not with just, not with just Baptists. There, there's probably not another pastor. Yeah, I can say that. There's probably not another pastor in this, in this whole realm. I, in fact, I don't know if I've ever met another pastor. No matter what denomination it comes from, they can be the longest Southern Baptist pastor that's ever been. And if we sit down together, I will love them, but I will probably not agree with everything. I will not. But you know what? I can love them anyway. And no, they're not wrong. But until God gives us the answer, until God brings that unity completely in the scripture, we can disagree and love each other still. Wow. I have people ask me that question all the time. We, I've got a good friend of mine, uh, Jackie White. He's pastor of, of Church on the Rock in Lubbock, Texas. No, Jackie and I don't see eye to eye on lots of things. We sat down and reasoned about Scripture, and he can reason as long as I can, by the way. Still don't agree with what he's got to say. He don't agree with what i got to say. But you know what? We love each other. We love each other. I could trust Jackie with my life today, and he could me. We need to get to that point. I'm convinced that, that this, Stonewall County, is one of the greatest places we can do that. If we in Stonewall County who have churches that work together, 
all the time. We're going today. This is not just a Baptist thing over at First Baptist Church. It's every church. We, we have a great group of pastors that, that work together right now. We have an opportunity to show the world what it's talking about here in this book in Ephesians. Even though we have disagreements and I don't agree with the way your church does something or you don't agree with the way my church does something or, or whatever, that we can come together in love and the bond of peace, hunger for unity. I can say to you, man, I don't care where you go to church. Wherever God leads you to go to church, you go. We love each other. We need to get to that point. It says here, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Do you realize that just like those concerts we go to and just like this event we're going to over on Independence Day Fellowship, I'm not going to ask anybody where they go to church probably, and I don't really care. I'm just going to love on people. I mean, that might come up in conversation. Hey, I go to the Methodist church, or I go to the community church, or I go here. Makes me no difference. I love you because you're my brother in Christ. One Lord, one spirit, one hope. When we get to heaven, I'm convinced, even if it's just because of God has this great sense of humor, I'm convinced that he's just going to put us all in one pile. He's going to put these houses right next to each other, and we're going to go, Whoa, I didn't know them people was going to get here. Sure they are. It's up to the Lord. It's up to their belief in him. It's up to their faith in Jesus Christ. And we talked about that last week. Where have you put your faith? He goes on to say this. Not only just one body and one spirit and one hope, but he says, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Oh, my. He shouldn't have used that last word because, boy, us Baptists fight about that more than anything else. Baptism. Just one. What is that baptism? It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's when God accepts you. Yes, I believe the mode is important. I believe that, that, that immersion is important. I'm not questioning that at all. But my brother over here might, not, might think that sprinkling's okay. He might stand by that. And that's got to be okay. Because there's one baptism. And that baptism is the baptism of the Lord coming into your life. That baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That baptism is between you and God. Because I don't know about you other preachers in here. I've dunked a lot of people. And I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for that in some ways. Because now they think they're saved. They came in. They said the right words. They said the little prayer and and I took them up there and we baptized them and they left there and have never lived for Christ since. They've never walked worthy of the calling which they were called with. And I, I questioned that. I questioned, what's your relationship with God really? If you're not willing to walk the walk, if you're not willing to do what God's called you to do, what, what's your relationship like? Then I've had some, man, that are fantastic change life in a moment it's all up to God and their relationship to God lastly 
We not only have one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Have you ever thought about those other guys? That they love Jesus as much as you do? Their doctrine's not right. So? Can we not? ourselves walk worthy of the calling that God has given us to realize that every day when we get up that God has got today planned out for us that God has got a place for us to be and he has given us this holy calling in our lives today's his day we're doing his work no matter what it is we're his and then when we meet those brothers and sisters I would be willing to bet that some of you farmers don't farm exactly alike. I can see the smile on your face right now. But you still are farmers. I can tell you our brothers and sisters may not believe exactly like we do. There's going to be questions about that. But they're still my brothers and sisters. And I can love them. The world needs to see God's people coming together. It's his church. It's his church. Now, I'm not talking about those guys that are out there that are unbiblical. Man, if, if I love my brother enough and he's doing something unbiblical, I need to go and say to him, hey, brother, I love you, but this is what the word of God says. That's the, that's the guiding point for all of us. Whether it's in our convention or not, whether it's in our denomination or not, we need to love each other enough that we bring that to their attention but we need to love them enough that we bring that to their attention. Not dislike them so much that we're going to have to call it to their attention. Big difference. Big difference. So what about you today? Are you walking worthy of the calling that God has given you? Just a question. Something you need to think about inside of you. Are you walking worthy of the calling God's given you because every one of us in this room have one. Every one of us in this room God has set aside. Every one of us in this room He has preordained just for us. Are you walking it? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together, Father. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, to understand that we are walking the way you want us to walk. You've given us this job, whatever it is, to praise you with. And God, every day, we're not working for the wages. We're working for you. What a privilege, Father. Thank you for the picture of Paul who endured so much, Father, for the cause. But he was willing to stay the course even unto death. May we have that kind of commitment today in our hearts and lives. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you just to stay where you're seated, where you're at. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Sheila's going to play a hymn of invitation this morning. Just one verse. Have you made that kind of commitment in your own heart and life? If not, then today's the day. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ, your Savior and Lord. Today's the day. I can promise you it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Today's the day you can ask him to be Lord of your life.
Would you do it, Sheila Play? Jesus is calling right now. Would you answer him? Amen. So a couple of things. I've got to go over to Aspermont and sing for my groceries today. But I've, I've, I've included all of y'all. So, you know, I'm going to sing for everybody's meal. So y'all just come over and eat. I've already got it covered. So I'm just kidding about that. We're going to have a, a great time over there. A good fellowship. It always is um, at, at First Baptist. So I hope you'll come to that. Secondly, tonight, 5 o'clock, I'm going to answer the question, are we in the end times yet? Because there's, there's about two big questions out there. First of all, when is Jesus coming back? We're going to answer that question, by the way, in the next two weeks. When is Jesus coming back? And tonight, are we even in times for sure? Are we, do we know we're in end times? We're, we're going to answer that question tonight. So I hope you'll come tonight at 5 and, and we'll discover some of those things. about uh, Are we truly in the end times? And then next week, maybe week after, when's Jesus coming back? We'll, uh, we'll answer those. Okay, let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. Thank you guys for coming this morning. I hope you have a great fourth of july this week let's pray father i thank you for this day thank you for who you are our king our lord our master our savior the lover of our very souls so father i pray as we leave this place god first of all a blessing over every person here father you've blessed us according to your purpose then, Father, I ask that you, as we walk out this place, you give us the courage and boldness we need to be your witnesses. We've seen this picture of Paul and Moses, and the list goes on and on, Father. We might be faithful today. Thank you, Father, for that privilege this morning. We give you praise for all things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You're dismissed.